0: God choose us, or did we choose Him? Well, that's the fascinating topic that we're talking about today on Through the Bible with our teacher, Dr. J. Vernon McGee. I'm Steve Schwetz, and together we're on a five-year journey through God's entire Word. Now, in just a moment, the Bible bus heads off for the New Testament book of Ephesians, chapter 1, at verse 3. So go ahead and grab your copy of God's Word and get comfortable. And while you do that, here's a quick introduction Dr. McGee recorded for today's study.
1: Our study today brings us... To Ephesians, the first chapter at verse 3. Now, we've come today to a very important portion of the Word of God. And if you have friends today that are troubled with this matter of election, I would suggest that you give them a call and ask them to tune in. I think this might be important for a great many folks because we have a great deal of false teaching today on the subject of election. And it's caused the splintering off of the church of quite a few little groups that go off in this direction. I trust that it might be helpful to many today. As Dr. McGee suggested, if you'd
0: like to invite your friends to join us for these studies in Ephesians, listen online or download our app at ttb.org. Our five-year study through the Bible is also available on our Bible Bus flash drive. To find out more about this great resource, you can visit us online at ttb.org or call 1-800-65-BIBLE. Now before we get started, here's an email from a fellow passenger named Lenora. Lenora, I have been listening to Dr. McGee for six years and have grown in the knowledge of the Lord our God each and every day because of the Bible bus, Lenora writes. Thank you for your continued presence that teaches us about life in the Lord of our salvation. The Solar Bible Bus is a marvelous tool for learning and listening on the go. Well, thanks, Lenora. It's a joy to have you join us each day. And then here's an email that I know that you'll love from a bright young listener named Victoria in Michigan. My favorite station plays you and other wonderful programs every day. I'm 12, and I feel the more I listen to you, the more I grow, both literally and figuratively. I'm so thankful for you. Well, thanks for your email, Victoria. May God bless you as you grow in his wisdom. Let's pray together now. Heavenly Father, thank you for the wonderful reminder that your word reaches across generations, across borders and boundaries, and then finds its way into the hearts of your people. As we open it today, Lord, please fill us with your wisdom and knowledge so that we, in turn, can be your ambassadors to the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's time. Let's get started in Ephesians 1 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee.
1: Now we come today, friends, back to this first chapter, and we're moving very slowly now, and we've come to a very difficult section But we saw last time in this very wonderful verse, third verse, that we've been blessed. That is, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in Christ. And actually, it ought to be he has blessed us in all spiritual blessings. That means there are three ends in this verse. All spiritual blessings are a three-in-one blessing. They're, first of all, in all spiritual blessing. Then they are wrapped in the heavenlies. Finally, they're in the larger package of in Christ. And the whole thought is, open your gift and see what God's done for you, my friends, and move out on faith and lay hold of it and live today on the high plane to which God has brought you. He's made you a son, blessed you with all spiritual blessings. We need to live like that in the world today. We came last time to this verse 4 because we're now in a section and we need to get the perspective that in this section here, we see that God, the Father, planned the church. God, the Son, paid for the church. God, the Holy Spirit, protects the church. Now, the source of all of our blessings is actually the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he's blessed us with all these spiritual blessings. And now he carries our mind back to the past eternity, and he makes us realize that salvation is altogether of God, not at all of ourselves. Actually, you and I learned That you and I are not the originator, we're not the promoter, nor are we the consummator of our salvation. He did it all. Now we're looking at this that we said last time is very difficult. And it's been put in an old hymn, "'Tis not that I did choose thee, for, Lord, that could not be. This heart would still refuse thee, but thou hast chosen me." And we have one that's very popular today. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. God is the one who planned our salvation way back under in eternity before you and I were even in this world at all. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the one that came down in time, and he wrought out our salvation upon the cross when the fullness of time had come. And then God, the Holy Spirit, is the one who convicts us today. He brings us to the place of faith in Christ, saving knowledge of the grace of God that's revealed in the Lord Jesus Christ. I heard this story many years ago. It's the story of a boy down in Memphis, Tennessee, He wanted to join the church, and it was a good conservative church. And the deacons were examining him. And they asked him, they said, how did you get saved? Well, he said, I did my part, and God did his part. And these deacons thought they had him. They said, what was your part, and what was God's part? And the boy said this. He said, my part was the sinning. He said, I ran from God. As fast as these rebellious legs would take me and my sinful heart would lead me, I ran from him. And he says, you know, he done took out after me till he done run me down. My friend, there's nothing in a theology book that tells it as well as that. God is the one that did the saving. Our part was the sinning part. It's like a little story that the late Dr. Harry Ironside told about the little boy that was asked, have you found Jesus? And the little fellow said, well, sir, I didn't know he was lost. But he says, I was, and he found me. (laughs) My friend, you don't find Jesus, he finds you. He's the one that went out after the lost sheep, and he's the one that found him. Now listen to this, according to as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now, God chose believers in Christ before the foundation of the world, and that means before all time, way back under an eternity past. May I say to you, that means then you and I didn't do the choosing, and he didn't choose them because they'd do some good. But he chose them so they could do some good. And the entire choice is thrown back upon the solitary sovereignty of the wisdom and the goodness of God. My friend was Spurgeon that once put it like this. You know, he says, God chose me before I came into the world, because he said if he'd waited until I got here, he never would have chosen me. It's God who has chosen us, and we've not chosen him. You remember the Lord Jesus put it like this to his own yonder in the upper room. He said, you have not chosen me, but I've chosen you. And as Dr. Camel Morgan put it years ago, he said, you know, that puts the responsibility on him. If he did the choosing, then he's responsible. And that makes it quite wonderful, friends. You remember God said about the children of Israel, He said, Hear this word that the Lord hath spoken against you, O children of Israel, against the whole family which I brought up from the land of Egypt, saying, You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I'll punish you for your iniquities. Now, God chose Israel in time. He chose the church in eternity. God made the choice in eternity, and there hasn't arisen anything unforeseen to God that has caused him to revamp his program or to change his mind. He knew the end from the beginning. He did it for a purpose, in order that we should be holy and without blame before him. God chose us in order to sanctify us. That's the reason for the choosing. He saves us and he sanctifies us, that we might be holy. Now, that's positive. And this has to do with the inner life of the believer. A holy life is demanded by election. Now, don't tell me that you can say, well, I'm elected, and there are great many folk that are saying today, well, I've been saved by grace, and I can do as I please. Paul has already answered that. Paul says, shall we continue in sin because we've been saved by the grace of God? And his answer is, God forbid. You can't do it, friends. If you go on living in sin, it's just because you're a sinner that hasn't been saved, because a sinner that's been saved is going to change his way of living. Paul says, "...what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid! How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein?" And then we're to be without blame. That's the negative side. The believer in Christ is seen before God as without blame. God would not permit Balaam to curse Israel to find fault with his people. Listen to what is said in Numbers twenty-three twenty-one: He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord is God's with him, and the shout of a king is among them. Yes, but if you go down there into the camp of Israel, God did find fault with them, and he judged them, and he was sanctifying and purifying that camp. My friend, if God has chosen you, It's in order that he might make you holy, in order that he might make you without blame. And therefore, it means that your life has been changed. And if it hasn't, you're just not one of the elect, that's all. And God wants his children to live lives that are not marked, are spotted with sin. And he's made every provision to absolve them from all blame. Remember, he says, my little children... These things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he's the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by the way, that answers once and for all this question of the limited atonement, that Christ only died for just the elect. This verse makes it clear he died for the world. And I don't care who you are, There's a legitimate offer that's been sent out to you today from God. And that offer is, you can't hide behind it and say, I'm not the elect. You are the elect if you hear his voice. You know, it's glorious and wonderful that the God of heaven would elect some of us down here and save us. And I don't propose to understand all that. Fact of the matter is, I just believe it. You know, the picture our Lord gave is, here's a great big wide highway. And off of that highway, there's a little narrow entrance. And the entrance has on it, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And he has on it another. I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. Go in and out and find pasture." Now, the very interesting thing is that broad way that leads down, that everybody's on, it gets narrow and narrow until finally it leads to destruction. Now, you can keep on it, but you can also turn off if you want to. You can turn off where the invitation is. Him that cometh to me, I'll noise cast out. You can enter in. And the very interesting thing, it is a narrow way as you enter. But after you get in, he says, I've come that they might have lied. I have it more abundantly. Oh, my friend, it's why they talk about the broad way. The broad way is after you get through the gate. and Let me tell you, that's a broad way. The picture is there. And the picture is you have a perfect right in order to make the choice. And it's a legitimate invitation that whosoever will may come. And Moody used to put it in his very quaint way. He said, the whosoever wills are the elect. And the whosoever wants are the non-elect. It's up to you, therefore. The Lord has given you an invitation. And whosoever will may come. <laughs> Don't tell me you've been left out. You haven't. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Of whosoever and whosoever, that means Vernon McGee, it means you. You can put your name there, too. And you can come just because... There is the elect, but the interesting thing is we don't know who they are, and you have no right to say that you are the non-elect, because if you open your heart, you can come, and that's all you have to do. This idea today that you've got mental reservations, I don't believe you have. <laughs> your problem is you've got sin in your life, and the Bible condemns it, and if you come to Christ, it means you'd have to turn from that. You don't want to turn from it. Now, May I say to you again and again, the Word of God emphasizes that we've been chosen in Him. Paul in 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 says, We are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. And Peter in his epistle, 1 Peter 1, 2 Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit and obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. And the interesting thing is, election and sanctification seem to go together. If God has saved you, he hasn't saved you because you're good, because you're not. I think Paul put it in such a marvelous way over in the epistle to the Romans. He says, what shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid, for he saith to Moses, I'll have mercy on whom I'll have mercy, and I'll have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. Now, God made it very clear to Moses. He says, so then it's not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercies. Now, when Moses went to God in prayer, God says, Moses, I'm going to hear and answer your prayer, but not because you're Moses and the deliverer, because I will show mercy on whom I will. I'll show compassion on whom I will. And it's not to him that willeth, nor him that worketh. But it's the God who shows compassion. You want to experience the compassion of God? Then you'll have to return to him. Now, I think the best illustration that we have of this is over in the book of Acts, over in the 27th chapter. You remember that Paul, after that, terrific storm. The ship was listing and about ready to go down, and they had already cast some of the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. Now Paul went to the captain, and he said, Be a good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of the Lord, whose I am and whom I serve, say, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and, lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Now, that's God's foreknowledge. That's election. God elected that nobody on that ship would be lost. But you remember a little while after Paul found a group of these sailors, they were making them a boat, and they intended to go overboard with that boat and try to get to land that way. And Paul said to the captain, he said, Now, look, except these abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. Well, now, couldn't the captain say, well, wait a minute, you already told me that none would perish. That's right. That's what Paul said. Now, that's God's side. But he also said, except you abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. That's their side. They got to stay in the ship. Now, may I say to you today, God knows who the elect are. I don't. Someone came to Spurgeon one time and said, "Miss Spurgeon, if I believe like you do, I wouldn't preach like you do. You say you believe that they're the elect. Well, then you preach as if everybody can be saved. Well, he says they can. But he says, you see, if God had put a yellow streak up and down the backs of the elect, I'd go up and down the streets lifting up shirt tails, finding out who had the yellow streak up and down their back. Then I'd give them the gospel. Well, he didn't do that. He told me to preach it to every creature, and whosoever will may come. My friend, that is our marching order. And as far as I'm concerned, until God gives me the roll call of the elect, I'm going on the whosoever will gospel. That is the one that we're to preach today. And as someone else has put it like this, on the door to heaven from our side, it's whosoever will, man. I'm the door by me, if any man, any man. That means you, any man, well any, he's going to come in and find pasture. He's going to find lie, my friend. But when you get on the other side of the door, someday in heaven, you're going to look back, and on that door, it'll be written, Chosen in Him, for the foundation of the world. But you know I haven't seen that side of the door yet. And therefore, I give God, since He is God, the right to plan His church. A friend of mine, down in Florida, showed me the blueprints of a home he was going to build. And he's built a lovely home on a lake. And I looked at the blueprints, and he planned it. They had just laid the foundation. He showed me where everything is going to be. His wife told us where this would be and that. And we went in the home and visited him. And, you know, it's just like they planned it. Now, they didn't have any supernatural knowledge, but as far as I know, nobody's questioned whether they had the right do that they did have the right and that's the way they did it according to their plan now God's plan the church after all this is his universe and the church is his church according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love and love is connected with not this verse but the next one in love having predestinated us unto the adoption of of sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Now, somebody says, ooh, there's that word predestination, and that's another frightful word. Friend, that's one of the most wonderful words we have in the Scripture. We're going to have to say that till next time. Say, are we moving slowly? But we're doing it purposely because this is important, is it not? This is a glorious section. And by the way, this is something that We don't hear much about today, do we? If I wasn't going through the Bible, I would have avoided this. I would have taken something else. I'd have talked about the comfort that there is for the saints, because that seems to be the big theme today of most even fundamental preachers. We're all talking about comfort. This is strong medicine. Some folk won't be able to take the medicine. I'm very sorry, but if you take it, it'll do you good. And we need it. Something pretty strong today in this flabby age in which we live. We need to know that we've been chosen in him. And today to stand for God, it'll make all the difference in the world, in your life. Well, we'll pick right up there tomorrow. And we're going to talk about that frightful word. That is, some think it's frightful. The word predestination. What does it mean? Until next time, may God richly bless you, I beloved.
0: Be sure to join us this weekend for Dr. McGee's Sunday sermon titled, This is the House that God Built. To listen online or see if your station carries the Sunday sermon, visit ttb.org or call 1-800-65-BIBLE if we can help. Next time, we'll tread a little deeper in the waters of election and predestination as we continue this journey through the Bible. As we go, here's a special postscript that Dr. McGee recorded for this lesson.
1: Before you leave the Bible bus today... I have a thought for you to take with you. Since we are coming to this great high point in the epistles of Paul, I'd like very much to share this with you today because this is the epistle that does teach us to wait upon God and look to Him. Now I'm reading this to you. When you don't know what to do, don't do it. When you run into a spiritual fog bank, don't tear ahead. Slow down the machinery of your life. If necessary, anchor your bark or let it swing at its moorings. We're simply to trust God. While we trust, God can work. Worry prevents Him from doing anything for us. If our minds are distracted and our hearts are distressed, if the darkness that overshadows us strikes terror to us, if we run hither and yon in a vain effort to find some way of escape out of a dark place of trial where divine providence has put us, the Lord can do nothing for us. The peace of God must quiet our minds and rest our hearts. We must put our hand into the hand of God like a little child and let him lead us into the bright sunshine of his love. This is what we wanted you to take with you today. And remember, the bite of grief tests the coin of belief. Jesus came
0: Today's study with Dr. J. Vernon McGee is brought to you by Through the Bible, and it's made possible by the generous prayer and financial investments from listeners like you on the Bible bus all around the world.